It's Jared Waitley. Here's a snapshot of Monday, November 13. We paid tribute to a giant of sports journalism, Patrick Smith. We start with a nod to the late Patrick Smith. Particularly poignant just after nine on a Monday when the SEN airwaves were his stage alongside KB. Fearless and fearsome. For so long, his old world, old school daily column commanded the back page of The Australian and demanded your attention. Patrick had the whole suite. He could write beautifully about the majesty of sport. He could be caustic and confronting, a frightful adversary for sports administrators if he had you in his sights. And he was never better than when he was campaigning. He'd take a position based on principle and prosecute it dogmatically and relentlessly across days and weeks and years. By sheer coincidence yesterday, I was listening to the Press Box podcast where Brian Curtis was lamenting the absence of the crusty sports columnists who would come in strong and land an extreme opinion with such gravitas that it would tilt the axis of a debate. Curtis said, we can't get the right answer unless we explore the polarities of possible responses. I thought immediately of Patrick Smith, who on the Australian sporting landscape represented one of the last of the old guard on that front, the prescribed daily column from which to pound the pulpit and provoke a response. In his own sporting days, Patrick had been a firebrand fast bowler for Peran, and the easiest analogy was to say his writing was always off the long run. What most readily comes to mind? Well, that'll be different for all of us who read him religiously. For me, it's Cornflakes, his satirical columns about Grant Thomas, bitingly funny and borderline cruel. He was profound when Adam Goods was being booed, and Max from Mornington remembers that this morning. I recall him debating a caller who stated... I'm on the right side of history, booing Adam Goods for staging for free kicks. His retort, you're on the wrong side of being a human. He thought at its inception, the A-League could legitimately threaten the dominance of the AFL if soccer could unite. He took up against the whip in racing, a battle that still rages. And I often think how he would have feasted on the days of Peter Volandis. As a cub reporter, I'd spend the feature spring carnival days in his orbit, wondering what was capturing his eye and looking forward to reading his thoughts on a Monday as a lesson in what to look for. Throughout the profession, he is admiringly remembered today, and I'm sure for many of you as well. We send our thoughts to Sue and his family. A giant of sports journalism is lost. Vale, Patrick Smith. Very sad day. Uh, there was only one Patrick Smith, wasn't he? Uh, you know, he was brilliant, witty. He could slice you and dice you in one paragraph. A very brilliant man. What were your dealings with him through the years, Crash? I always admired him, and we didn't. Uh, we used to cross over of all places the Melbourne Cup. But I, I remember talking to Lee Matthews once, and I thought it was a terrific rapper when he won his three premierships in a row. Where I sat next to him at lunch, I said, "Which?" journalist do you admire the most of the the Melbourne, the whole, uh, all the columnists and everything? He said, oh, Patrick Smith's very good. He said, right on the money and just, just, he said, I don't always agree with him, he said, but always worth a read. And I thought that's high praise, but he was very clever 
I remember <laughs> once Bryson DeChambeau, the American golfer who's got a million theories on life, came out and did a press conference and sprouted all these theories. And I, I forget what Smithy's lead was, but it was something like when Albert Einstein went to bed, he dreamed of being Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely pulled him to the threads. And on the putting green the next day, all the golfers were talking about it. They said, you must read these, this guy Smith from the Australian. <laughs> Good morning, Jared. Yeah, Patrick. Patrick Smith uh, goes up on the on the Mount Rushmore of uh, footy journals because of his his beliefs. And uh, while Mike Sheen used to get the plaudits, uh, Patrick Smith here yeah, couldn't get at him. Uh, I remember a couple of his articles. One of them was titled "Ubla Do Ubla Da." It was a real great one. And also he uh, he attacked uh, Mick Malthouse with his attack on on of hubris. But also, could I also add, it was great to see another great footy writer, Brent Creswell's tribute to Ron Barassi on Friday. It was, it was, Sam. His, his writing from that era, uh, it still ripples to this day. Oh, yeah. He wrote, he wrote eight or nine articles for the, for the age, and it's a pity he didn't write more, you know. I've been, I was lucky enough to have a beer with him at Fitzroy, mate. And you just talk footy with him and just a normal bloke like that. Really great. Really great. Thanks, Jared. Tim Payne set the terms for Australia heading to the knockout World Cup games. Oh, part for this team is to win it. They they will not. And we and that's how we judge all Australian cricket teams. We, we are in World Cups to win them. There's no doubt about that. And we can say, oh, it's a pass mark or is this or that. They're there to win it. We expect them to win it. I don't know it's a huge ask in India, but... It's a much easier ask to go there and win a one-day tournament than it is to go and win a test match. Um, still hugely challenging given the form of South Africa and India. Uh, but, yeah, I think we, we left these shores to win this World Cup. We've got the quality of player the whole way through that list to win this World Cup. Um, you could probably say it, it would be a pass mark if we were to qualify for the final, but for this group of cricketers, they will not accept that. They, they're there to win it. Robert Craddock on the biggest concern for the Aussies. Just that they struggle to get early wickets. Just even against the modest teams uh, like Bangladesh and that, they seem to just, uh, there's no fright factor with the new ball. And I'm not saying that there generally is in the subcontinent, but it's a dangerous time. Pride of Jenny's owner, Tony Otabre, shared the deeper meaning of the Mayor's pair of Group 1 victories at Flemington. Yeah, look, uh, I thought the first uh, Group 1 win um, on Cloud 9 constantly and... Uh, and then we come to Friday. I'm pretty excited about the Friday, the challenge, and that's what I call it. We uh, we weren't sure um, how how we'd go against these uh, three champions that are already running around, and uh, um, pretty much I was with the uh, the tipsters. I'm looking at fourth, and hopefully we can sneak third. But um, yeah, I just uh, was absolutely blown away by the day, and of course my family was, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. And on the racing means test, we played something for the battlers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's as good a thing as, sure a thing as death, Zardozzi, in the uh, oh, here we go. in the Oaks. Yeah, it's unbeatable. So race eight, number two, Zardozzi will win. As sure a thing as death. <laughs> uh, and it trotted in. Uh, so four weeks running, John O'Neill has given us something for the battlers. I'm not sure Wayne understands what this segment is. Yeah. Where are you taking us, Johnny? <laughs> so we've got a couple. We have a couple. We need to go to Wednesday, the midweek, or a hate-tipping two-year-old's first up. We've got a very nice two-year-old oh, called Spywire. 
going around at Rose Hill, so you need to have something each way. It might be six or eight dollars or something. But again, there's another one of these surer thing than deaths going around in the thousand games. Gamble responsibly. One eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. Thank you very much, Gareth. Um, <laughs> Mike Maroney and Blake Shin will take out the thousand guineas with Coeur Volant. That's how you pronounce it. Geez, it's a nice horse. Yep. Uh, drew wide last start, push forward, yep. home it goes. Right, I've had to ring the brother, and I've had to <laughs> shut up, Jared. Just ring I've, John. I've had to. No, he doesn't know. Michael does. I've had, I've had to ring Michael. <laughs> I've had to ring Michael. Oh, he does. I've had to ring Michael. Get that on video, said, please. Michael said Friday night ice chocolate at Mooney Valley. Uh, sorry, at uh, at Canterbury. And there's one quick thing I want to say. I've listened to your editorial so many times, Waitley, and I under, there's words I've never heard of that you say. Fronty. What the hell is a fronty? Fronty. Go away, Waitley. <laughs> Waitley, go away. Fronty is what we live through on the two Saturdays at Flemington. <laughs> Gareth? Um, it's New Zealand Cup Week. So Star of Justice in the 1,000 guineas at $8 for Tiako Racing. And I know we don't Love talk him, about man. harness racing. But Swayze, the Australian horse, can win the New Zealand Trotting Cup, which is the biggest race in any code at New Zealand tomorrow afternoon. Well, there's a glad bag of information for yes. you. Excellent. Swayze. All right, Group 1 racing again next week, so we're going to do this next Monday. Yep. And that's just a snapshot. The full program and all interviews are available through the Waitley Podcast. Subscribe at sen.com.au.